Hey there, everybody, and welcome to our MedSpa Accelerator podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018, and we are happy to have a great uh, guest today, um, Tammy Philippi, and she is from Huber Heights, Ohio, owns Belviso MedSpa, and uh, the podcast is brought to you by Everable and Cass Clinical Consulting and hosted by myself, Cassie Craig, and my buddy, Luis Trevino. So um, I wanted to, we, we, we read through your, um, through your questionnaire and you were very thorough and we appreciated that because I, I already know Tammy very well, um, but this got Luis to knowing Tammy very well. And I think um, some things that stuck out to me, of course, are um, when, when you talked about uh, what, what was the most difficult thing for you, Tammy? as a med spa owner, and I'm going to let you tell the story rather than what I read, but I kind of wanted to start off with that. So tell me and tell everybody what's been the most difficult thing for you as a med spa owner and a treatment provider. Sure. Well, I think, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, and um, I think the most difficult thing for me has been fear. And it's a fear on two different levels. Initially, it's that fear of failure. You know, what happens if this doesn't work? And um, maybe like, what are other people going to think about me? How am I going to feel about myself? And you can psych yourself up all you want saying it doesn't matter what other people think about you. Or, you know, people will say what other people think about you is none of your business. But I mean, still, it's, it's very difficult. And then once you kind of start getting going and think, hey, you know what? I can do this you know, we're making some progress, people are coming in for treatment, we're getting results. Um, Then all of a sudden, you have the kind of this overwhelming fear of, oh my gosh, what happens if we get successful? And so fear can is just can be so paralyzing from both aspects. And I was lucky enough to be introduced to Cassie. And, um, you know, she helped me help me work through that. So it's, it, I think for anybody, um, business owners and maybe non-business owners, fear just, it takes hold of you and sometimes you, you, you just get paralyzed and you don't know where to go or what to do. I love um, this quote and I'm going to find it. So unless you remember it, Tammy. Um, uh, I, I have it. I don't okay. know it by heart, but I can. I, can I love that. It. I'd like to read it before. I have something to say on this, but I'd love for you to read it if yeah. So I read a book and it's called Girl, Wash Your Face. And I would, um, it's by Rachel Hollis and anybody that has not read it. um, I think it particularly pertains to women um, of any age, young girls as well. Um, But she says in there, but sister, please, please, please stop allowing your fear of getting it wrong to color every beautiful thing you're doing right. And that it hits home. Yeah. And I love that because um, I think, I think, what I pull out of that and what I'd love to talk about um, uh, is that you said the fear can be paralyzing when you're fearful of, you know, failure, but then you step into being successful and how fear provoking that is. And it's like, um, I always remind myself, there's no finish line here. Like, you know, this, this moment is where my joy needs to be. Um, but you're right. It's like, no matter what, I find somehow, some way to be terrified um, rather than enjoying everything. So what do you have to say on that one, Louise? I love it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely something that everybody goes through. I know it's something that I've kind of been dealing with myself recently. And it's the idea that of not like kind of like fearing the unknown. You know what I mean? 
like, yes, like you're afraid of failure and that, and when you're always get starting a new business or a new venture, you're always going to have that where it's like, well, what are people going to think of me? What if I fail? What is, you know, uh, and then you start thinking about like the worst case scenarios, right? You're like, wait, hold on. Like these things haven't even happened yet. And um, I can't remember where I heard this, uh, uh, but it, it always talks. Oh, God, man, I, I think uh, there's a book by. I'm going to find it. I think it's called uh, uh, New Earth or something like that. But yeah. anyway, it talk, yeah, it talks a little bit about how like your brain always thinks the same thoughts most of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a part a big percentage, I, I want to say even like 80 percent of what your brain thinks of are things that necessarily haven't happened yet. Right. You're always imagining things that could potentially be happening, happening. And that's where a lot of fear comes from. Right. You know, and then so it's it's uh, and then the book talks about like uh kind of like that you're the, the there's the thinker and then there's the observer right and so a lot of the times we feel that we are the the thinker the person that is kind of like thinking all of these bad thoughts but at the end of the day it's like no like you are the observer you can like see your own thoughts or, or you know hear your own thoughts and then once you kind of come to a realization of, of that being able to hear those thoughts or, or you know or listen to them whatever and then being able to say oh you know what like what is going on with this limiting belief? Like you start to catch yourself listening to yourself saying those things. You're like, wait, 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 like, where did, where did this come from? You know, where did this fear come from? What is going on? And then being able to address that fear, right. It's like, I think it's something that I've been kind of yeah. uh, consciously trying to kind of work on. Cause you know, you, you, you start getting all these like limiting beliefs where it's like, Oh, you know what? Like, I can't do that. Like, and it's, it's like a record kind of just playing in your head and you're like, wait, wait, like, who said I couldn't do that? You know what I mean? Like I could definitely do that. You know what I mean? And uh, so that's kind of like the fear of failure, but then fear of success, like fearing the unknown, right? Like what are people going to say if I am successful all of a sudden, you know, like, is that going to push me away from my family or that's going to, you know, and, and I think we all kind of, uh, I know at least for me kind of coming in from like a Christian background, a lot of the times, and this is not always the case for everybody, but you know, like, you kind of grow up with this mentality of like, oh, like money is the root of all evil type of like kind of mentality type of things like that. So it's like, you know, that money is really great for, for you because obviously the freedom that it provides the, the type of life that you can have. And, and, you're, and because of it, you're able to bless others, which is really great. Uh, but then if a lot of times, like if you look deeper, it's like there's all, like, sometimes like these other emotions attached to it that are like subconscious. And you, and unless you like really think about them and like a lot of people can actually kind of sabotage themselves from really reaching like their next level of success. Um, and that's something that I've kind of come to in a realization as well, um, which I think is huge in being able to address those things early on and then being able to like overcome them. Right. But a big, a big part of it is like being afraid of the unknown. And I think something that we talked about last week in the first episode was you know, kind of building out your goals and your plan and seeing, start to see yourself where you want to be and what your life will look like, uh, like will look like when you're there. And I think a big part of overcoming those fears is doing that exercise, I think. Well, I think, you know, people, if you're anything like me, now my life is very busy. I have five kids, my feet hit the floor in the morning and I go, and it's almost like, I uh, work really hard to just keep up a lot of times and I don't recognize what's going on in my own mind. And and man, I've been working on this, uh, like self-awareness and, and um, facing this stuff and looking at it and dissecting it for 
nearly two decades on a daily. And I still get, and it's almost like the more awareness you bring, the more behind the eight ball you feel because you realize like I spend 23.75 hours every day, um, not recognizing what I'm, the story I'm telling myself. And, and I think for every human, it's true that, um, that we live in a fantasy. We're telling ourselves the storyline and it's about the people, places, and things around us, but it's so our perspective. And as we play out this fantasy in our mind, so often it has this really negative tone. It has this really, like, like you were saying, like end of, end of the world kind of feel to it. Like it's this disastrous, catastrophic kind of thinking when in, in actuality, if it's just a story we're telling about the people, places, and things around us, we could make it like a superhero story. We could make it like, you know, we are the, everything's easy and everything's great and fun and, and, um, and fearless and all of that. We could be on the exact opposite of the storyline that we go, but the awareness is the first part. And Tammy and I worked together uh, for a while and working on that, like just seeing, okay, I keep telling myself every day, I keep saying to myself, what if this doesn't work? Well, the opposite is just as, as valid. What if it does work? And um, I, I love that you point out the, uh, the fear of success because it's like no matter what, we go into the storyline of things could just go terribly. People, if I get successful, then I'll have money and money's bad because I was taught that in my life or, or money causes bad things or, you know, my family will, um, I'll be alienated from my family. I'll be isolated. Nobody will like me. Everybody will be jealous. Like all of these things that is really just this, um, incessant, you know, thought process. And really it means nothing. And, um, uh, talk, uh, Gosh, it just came to me. Uh, the New Earth was by... Uh, Holy Rare or something like that? Jeez. Uh, anyway, it's um, if you guys haven't listened to it, it's a fantastic book. Tammy, have you heard of it? I have heard of it, but I've not read it. Oh, you got it. I have it on audio, and it's something yeah. that I play over and over because it's very... Um, you will like it. I know you, and you will like it. Um, but it's just bringing awareness to that like catching yourself in it. And I have people do exercises. um, And I like to spend a good week on this. It's just notice every time you're telling yourself something that's limiting, something that's fear inducing, something that is um, just not in line with what you really want for yourself. Just, just write it down. Um, Cause you'll see a pattern. You'll see the same, you know, for me, it's the same five things over and over and over (laughs) in different formats. So once you notice your pattern, then you realize, okay, well, this isn't super overwhelming to um, work on, you know, I, I'm not going to file bankruptcy. That's not, you know, or I'm not going to forget my kids or, you know, I'm not going to not show up for football practice. Those types of things that just are continually going on. Yeah. For those of you who want to check out the book, it's uh, Eckhart Tolle and oh, uh, there's, uh, yeah, yes. A New Earth. And then another one that's really good is the Practicing the Power of Now. Which the is Power the, of Now. He has um, really this, this man. And, and if you get into his writings, read his story. Read what happened to him. Um, he has some of the most wise things I've ever heard come out of a human being, but it took a breakdown. I mean, he really had a... Um, he went through, everybody goes through hard things, but uh, his story is really incredible to what got him to the place that he sees these things clearly. Um, never heard a more wise person. 
Yeah, it's really I good. Read, I've read The Power of Now, and it's his books you have to read, and then you have to stop and think. Yeah, you have to, <laughs> you have to listen to them or read them more than once, definitely. Yeah, you can't just One word at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about maybe, well, I, I'm really interested, and I'm sure our audience is kind of hearing more a little bit about your backstory. You know, uh, Cassie and I know because, like, you know, we kind of, you know, read and, and a little bit about it. But I would, I would, I think our audience would really love to hear a little bit more about how you got started with Belviso. Um, what is kind of like your main line of business right now? Like, what is your revenue driver? And okay. what are you doing to really achieve success? I mean, right now you're a seven-figure practice. What are some of the things that you know? How you got started? And then what are some of the things, you know, challenges that you kind of face and then where you're at now? Just tell us a little bit more about your story. Yeah, of course. So just kind of going back a little bit, you know, when I when I first got out of high school, I went to college because that's kind of what you're supposed to do. Neither, you know, my parents are not college graduates. So I really wasn't forced to go to school, but that was kind of the next step. So I went, actually, I have a degree in marketing. So marketing, awesome. yeah. So marketing in 1988 is a lot different than marketing in 2018. <laughs> so, so after I worked in marketing for a bit, I just kind of found that the business world for me at that time was not where I needed to be. That was not the space that was good for me. So um, I went back to, I went to nursing school and I think I always knew that I was a caregiver, but did not have the maturity at 18 or 19 years old when I was choosing a career to know that's where I fit. So I went to nursing school. I worked in a bone marrow transplant unit and with oncology patients for several years. And then healthcare was changing and they were looking for more mid-level practitioners. So I went back to school and became a physician assistant. So I worked as a PA for about 13 years in a family practice setting and really was able to get um, a lot of great experience. I worked with um, Wright State School of Medicine um, in their family practice center. So it was a great environment. Educationally, I got to work with students. I got to help do some teaching. And then I was always learning because it was, it was a university environment. Then my husband decided to go back to school as well um, later in life, had a bad car accident and kind of had a moment where, you know, I'm not really happy with what I'm doing. So he went to dental school. So we both went to back to school as adults. And then when he opened his practice, um, he worked as an associate for a few years, then opened his practice. And then I came here to work with him just to, to help um, doing it just a little bit at a time. And then finally he said, you know, maybe it would be helpful if you were here all the time. So we decided we'd take that step and work together. So after a few years, we started um, realizing that a lot of people were struggling with oral facial pain, lots of grinders, lots of facial pain. Um, there are great things that you can wear night guards, you can do things like that. But a lot of people are very honest and say, I don't want to wear it. I'm not going to wear it. Or I don't want to wear something at bedtime, or I don't want to wear it um, because of my partner or whatever. So I don't want to go to bed with this. So we started kind of looking at some ways that we could help people with oral facial pain. And um, we came across the American Academy of Facial Aesthetics, who the president is a general dentist. So we started doing some courses there and really working on the whole 
oral facial pain, which fit great into the line of dentistry. So we started um, injecting the masseter muscles to help with um, jaw pain and found that people were getting great results. They weren't having to wear their occlusal guards. Um, and then all of a sudden you start asking people, are there things you don't like about your smile during, during their initial exam? And then you come to find out, well, I wish I didn't have these lines around my mouth. I wish that I didn't look like I was angry and have these lines, you know? And so all of a sudden you're like, wow, there are a lot of things that you can ask people at their dental visit and find out that they're not happy about themselves that can kind of work into that whole aesthetics field. So we started, so Scott kind of doesn't let me go and, and continue to take more classes. He didn't really have as much time. Um, you know, he needed to be doing his clinical stuff. So we did a few courses together and then I kind of ventured out and continued doing courses, um, on aesthetics. So learned how to do more of the more complicated injections, doing lips, doing facial fillers. And then we had some extra space here and thought, well, why don't we add just expand a little bit and then continue on with providing things um, outside of the dental world? So um, that's uh, at then about a year ago, I opened up then Belviso and it's in, actually in our dental practice. So we have some extra space. So it's in our dental practice. So we see some dental patients. We try not to overwhelm them with um too many things like, you know, you need a crown and that's going to cost you X number of dollars. Have you ever thought about having your lips done? You only have good lips. So, you know, so we try to, we make it um, known that we have a spa here and there are, there are you know, advertising um, elements in the waiting room, but really try to let them ask about it. And then I do some other, um, you know, outside marketing to help bring some some other business in as well. So we've been able to go from injecting people's jaws to helping them enhance and age gracefully, as well as then we were able to introduce cool sculpting and some microneedling and um, some facial services. Yeah, I think so. One of the things that I really like about your story is uh, being able to see the demand and then providing the service. Yeah. And and, I, and this is something we talked about in our first episode where it's like, you know, all business is, is you being able to being able to solve a problem. And so going back to supply and demand, right, you know, you heard your audience. And I think this is huge because, again, going back to patient first and really listening in to what your patients want, what your people are asking you for. Being, and, and then, and listen, like for everybody in our audience here, like this is key because you can really start to identify what are some of the other uh, revenue drivers that you can implement in your practice just by listening to what the, yeah. the issues, the challenges that some of your you know customers face and being able to turn that into a solution, right? So if the demand is there, if people are asking for it, then supply it, right? You know, train, you know, get trained, right? You know, or buy, you know, get the technology needed, right? And then be able to offer that solution. And because of that, now, because you were able to listen in to what their challenges were, now you have a seven figure, you know, medical, medical aesthetics practice, you know, that's, that's doing really, really great. And uh, it was all because of being able to like something so small as that listening to, you know, and being able and, and going on the journey to find a solution that at the, you didn't think it, you didn't know it was going to be aesthetics. You thought it was going to be like a, some type of device for like, you know, helping people where they're grinding. Right. But yeah. now you ended up here with aesthetics and then how amazing is that? You know, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, 
I was going to say that's exactly what I take away as well. The reason that you have been successful and I talk with people all the time who are, and it's, and it's for the right reasons. People who are passionate, they're focused on what they think is the next cool thing that people will want. When the answer is sitting right in that dental chair, the answer is that patient in front of you and just getting to know them and finding out what, what are their needs that aren't being met. And so Tammy, that's, I say, you know, that, is why you wake up every day and go to a successful practice. Why I know you, I've known you for a while. You always have a smile on your face and it's because you are like, it's all coming together for you. I, um, I say over and again, people do not care about our solutions. They care about their problems and if they're heard and if we can meet their needs and solve them, the solutions are kind of like, like last on the list. They don't care if the boat, how the Botox works they want to know, is their TMJ going to be relieved and will they stop having headaches all day? You know, so it's, yeah. and then, so Botox is the cool, um, you know, like here's the tool we're going to use, but it's all about solving their problem. And the, the best um, market research is right in front of you every day. It's just conversations and it's relationships. It's not, you know, it can be done in like handouts in the waiting room. Like tell me, you know, what you wish you could do and what you wish you had, but people are not very honest when it's pen on paper. They're honest as you get to know them. They just kind of spill on accident and remaining curious every day. That's the, um, that's the qualifier. That's the thing that separates the, um, you know, that top 10% from the rest is that passion, that uh, passion for the patient. And I, I strongly believe that. And I know you have that. Yeah. And I think too, we all have, I was, I went to a um, women in business networking leadership conference um, a couple of weeks ago and there was a dynamic keynote speaker. And she said, you know, we all have these stories. And if you'll just kind of listen um, to other people's stories, a lot of our stories are similar. Um, And maybe I'm in a different place than somebody else, but we have a similar story. Mm -hmm. And so if you'll just listen to people's stories you will not believe the relationships that you can build and you build trust with people. And it's all about authenticity. And I have this conversation with one of my kids all the time and it's just about being authentic. And if you're authentic, you're trustworthy. And people just want to find somebody kind and trustworthy to treat them. There's, there are tons of aesthetic practitioners in all cities but they'll connect with you if you're authentic and if you're honest and it's okay to say, I'm not the person for you or, you know, I I can't help you. I'm not the right person for you. I do know somebody that can help you and and I'm happy to pass it along, but that authenticity, honesty, and trust, that's what people are looking for. They just want to be treated kind. You walk into a doctor's office and everything feels clinical. And so you go to another doctor's office. It's like whatever's convenient is what fits in. And this, I think if we, as, as providers kind of put ourselves there, like think about the the last doctor's visit you had, or if you can think of your favorite doctor's visit ever or doctor that you keep, it's the humanity in it. It's the, and I tell people all the time, our how and our what might be different, but our why, everybody's why is so the same. And when we can connect with that with others, it's like, you know, the how and what we can figure out um, when we start with the why. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. That that's really good. I'm I'm really huge. Well, I think everybody here is right, but huge on being authentic and just obviously kind of in 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 doing that, being able to distill or instill. I'm sorry, like trust and um, credibility with your marketplace. And uh, and one of the things that I'm always trying to push is that you know you want to use that you want to market yourself that way. You know, people, especially now, like with social media, it's all about people being authentic and really putting yourself out there. And a lot of people always want to put up their best face when they're doing marketing or when they're advertising themselves, stuff like that. And and uh, and one of the things I tell people was like, look, stop advertising. Start <laughs> having conversations. Mm -hmm. Don't advertise. You know what I mean? Like just but, but just have conversations with people because that that's all advertising is. Right. Yeah. You want to have small conversations with people where you're building trust with them, you're educating them, you know, and at, while being authentic. And that's and this is why we're huge on video, because when you do video, you know, people get to see you as you really are and you get to be authentic. And then it's it's going to do two things. Right. It's going to it's like the people that see you on video and they just like you. Those are going to be your best clients, right? So that's number one. And number two, the people that don't like you, those are going to be your worst clients. So you don't even want them in the first place. Yeah, you're coming in, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to repel the people that you don't want as clients. And that is an amazing thing because once they, once they come in, they are already going to feel like they know you without you ever even have like really getting to know them or you'll get to know them once they come in for the consult. But they already have that trust and they already feel like they know you really, really well because of what you're doing, you know, online or on social media and creating these videos and just being yourself, you know, being like you said, everybody has a similar story at the end of the day. And you just want to, people just want to relate to someone else. And if you can help them and they feel like related to you, then, you know, it's, it's going to be a really great dynamic and, and that's going to you know, obviously yeah. benefit everyone. Um, so that's really, really awesome. Um, can you talk, can you tell us a little bit about like, you know, you told us about your story and, and how that, you know, how you got started with your practice. What were some of the challenges? And I want to connect a little bit about what we were talking about in the beginning in regards to, well, what are some of like the super, when I don't want to call them superficial, but kind of like the front end challenges, right? Some of the business challenges that you face to get to where you are now. And then what were some of the internal ones, like some of the more personal ones, some of the more mindset ones that, you know, that you were facing with and how you overcame them? Sure. Well, I think um, as with any new um, venture, it's um, it's cash flow. I mean, I think that's what every small business struggles with, and I think that that's why so many of them fail within that what first five years. There's a pretty high percentage of small businesses that fail, but I think it's the whole cash flow thing, and I think it is um, deciding how you're going to spend your money. Um, who you're going to spend your money with and not feel, I think initially you feel like you have to treat everybody. You don't want to say no. And so sometimes that can have a tendency to get you in trouble because your gut tells you when you shouldn't treat somebody or if you're not the right practitioner for them, or if they're not the right client for your, for your spa um, in our case. So um, I have a certain, I have a certain um, internally what I want to present to people and I want people to feel natural looking. I don't want them to look or feel unnatural or overdone, or I don't want them to feel like I'm pushing a service on them as well. So I think initially you're like, oh my gosh, I can't say no to anybody. I've got to treat everybody. Even if your gut saying, I'm not sure that's the right person for you. Yeah. So um, I think you struggle with saying no. 
Um, and I just read a good book about the power of saying no also, and it is also fabulous. I can't remember the author, but um, we don't do a good job of saying no. So, um, and then the cash flow is always on a new business. So I think that um, was an initial struggle. And I think understanding sometimes you have to say yes to spending a little money to make to make some money and to get some dry people to your practice. So initially that was it. Um, and then also deciding what services that I wanted to offer and not spreading myself too thin because you can be, you know, you can have too many things that you offer and not really great at one thing. So I kind of determined earlier on that I wanted to keep it a little bit smaller. I like the injectables and I like cool sculpting. Um, and I think really that's it. That's kind of where I want it to be almost a boutique um, yeah. more because it's, it can be a lot more personal for that. So I think also deciding what I, you know, how I envisioned and saw, um, saw the spa growing. And I think when I first met Cassie, you know, she asked me some really tough questions and um, there are questions that oftentimes you didn't, I hadn't really thought about. And then they're also really difficult to answer because it causes you to think way differently than I had ever thought before. Um, and then, and so internally it was that same thing, fearful of, you know, I hate to keep going back to that, but just fearful of what if this doesn't work? Um, the nice thing is that my spouse is very supportive and he said, so if it doesn't work, what do you have to lose? It's just you. I mean, it, it, I'm the only practitioner here. So it's just me. It's me doing everything. Um, I had somebody help me during the summer. Um, she's a student. Uh, so, you know, during the school year, it's, you know, it falls more on me again. But, and he was like, Tammy, what, I mean, so if it doesn't work, you know, so what? I mean, you know, you, you learn from it and then maybe you do it differently or, and, but it doesn't really matter. You know, you, there's nobody else at risk here. It's just you. So then as things start getting busier, then it's like, well, do I bring somebody else in or can I afford to bring somebody else in? Can I afford not to bring somebody else in? Um, what if it keeps getting busier? Um, and I, I don't know. I think sometimes we feel a little guilty about being successful and I'm not sure why, why that is. Um, nobody really is, I don't think is, you know, whispering in my ear saying, you know, you don't want to get too busy because you don't want to get too successful. Um, but you start feeling a little guilty sometimes about it, you know, or, or do, do you, are you deserving maybe? And I don't really know where that comes from. I've been, I, I want to jump in and say to that because I'll forget. I've been reading um, and studying on something called imposter syndrome that's very common in professionals, specifically women. So um, I'm not going to go all into it, but read into that, Tammy, because I think that that'll show that'll shed some light on what you're talking about there. That kind of like innate guilt, like oh, I'm doing great and I feel guilty about it. What's that? So I think um, imposter syndrome. Thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, not at all. So I think those are the things that that I've struggled with. Um, I think a lot of those things have gotten better. Um, I think cash flow was always always in the back of my mind, like, you know, can I afford to spend this or should I spend it or should we? So that that kind of thing. And I think for me, that's just a hurdle that I have to overcome. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. personally, um, overcome it. But, um, I think those are things that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. Um, I love Scott's advice. Uh, her husband, Scott says, what does it matter? Yeah. And I kind of remind yeah. myself that a lot. Like 
Like we come and we go in this world and I'm going to make waves and I'm going to enjoy my days. And I love like risk taking and the adrenaline and all of that. And, um, and so Scott's very right. Like, you know, play that one all the way out. Worst case scenario, you can go there and see that, you know, we, our feelings don't kill us. Uh, our fear never kills us. And so, you know, and, uh, and I had a similar scenario. It's like, well, what, what is the worst that can happen? Like, I'll, I'll go find a job. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, but, but, but then again, I, you know, I feel that like the most successful people in, in business right now are people that just never gave up. You know what I mean? Like they, they might've failed, a, you know, a few times or a lot of times. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, they always learn from their mistakes, got better and really just kind of went for it. You know, and that failure is, is so like, um, you know, it's a perspectives thing. Cause I probably could look through my life and see a lot of failures if I was looking for failure. But every time I bump into a wall, you know, it's just my perspective that, okay, you know, like mark that off the list. It doesn't work. It's not a failure. It's closer to, you know, like inventors do this. They fail a million times yeah. because they have to keep by, um, you know, just marking things off the list, figure out what's going to work. So failure is uh, so much a perspectives thing. It's uh, if you see successful people and ask them about their lives, they're probably not going to paint a picture of failure. They're just not, but it's not that everybody wakes up and has a perfect easy day. That's not true for anybody or, you know, it's how you look at it. And I think we have to learn from those failures. And when we don't learn and we don't grow from them, that's when, you got to kind of step back and, and take a look. And I think too, surrounding yourself with great positive people. Um, I read something not too long ago that said that we're, I think we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So if those five people aren't good people and they're not lifting you up and supporting your journey. And if you're not doing the same for them, maybe those are not the average of the people that, you know, that you want to spend your time with. So I think, you know, so having support and um, just surrounding yourself with positive people. Um, you know, I have a great family. I have a great spouse. I have great kids. Um, not that it's, you know, we're this perfect family and, and we don't ever, you know, disagree, but um, having that support is so, so important. So I think that has just been a wonderful thing. I have three other siblings and, and they all have just supported this journey as well, as long as with my parents and my spouse and my kids. So that's important too. surround yourself with positive people. And if you don't have positive people in your life, then it's okay to separate from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, and I think that comes with maturity. That's back to the, the no, being able to tell people no is such a difficult thing. And I had somebody who I, I love and respect and look up to wildly um, tell me, I guess it was five or six years ago, I was having trouble because I was telling everybody yes. So if you asked me to be at work at 5 a.m., I'd say yes. And then that person at 9 p.m., I'd say yes, because I was feeling those people and wanting to give them what they needed so much that I was forgetting to give me what I needed. And I was getting tired of, of giving them my services and giving them my time and my love and my care. And she said, Cassie, just say no. And I said, yeah, but you know, what am I going to tell them? No, like, do I, I don't have to be anywhere else. She said, Cassie, no is a complete sentence. And that was like, <laughs> like, whoa. Oh, okay. And it's funny because people don't take it real personally. When you say no, they don't. They don't. Um, so protect yourself and, and put yourself around people who uh, respect you and 
and drive you and motivate you. Absolutely, Tammy. I know for me, um, as far as like a dentist, I'm struggling with finding a dentist that I really click with right now. And so if Huber Heights were closer, then I would just come on over and see. <laughs> I know you stand out. Um, I, I, I do know that because I deal with providers as a patient quite often. And it's funny, like everywhere I go, I was in the doctor's office yesterday for my physical. And I just looked around and I was like, these people, like nobody's spoken to me. Nobody smiled. It, it looks like they're unhappy at the front desk. They're running around. I started talking to a woman. She didn't have time to talk uh, about, you know, it was 30 second talk, but she was looking over her shoulder like she had to go. So that patient first kind of um, philosophy is so rare. And when people walk in, they feel it. Like when they walk in the door, they see a bright smile. And, um, and they get full attention and people really are listening to what they want and they'll stay forever for that because it's so rare out there. Yep. And you can't, you can't have a, a second first impression. So, you know, that no. when somebody yeah. comes in and has that impression of your office, then you don't have another time to make that up. Yeah, no. So that's very important. And it's your people and it's a genuineness. And, you know, I could, I could train um, I could protocol whenever somebody walks in to stand up and go over to them and give them a hug. But if it's protocol, then people are like, oh, what are you doing? That's weird. But if somebody jumps up out of their chair and they're like, oh my gosh, Ms. Smith, I haven't seen you in forever. And they give them a hug, that person. So it's a genuineness and it's your people. And um, I, I, I've known you for a while now and I just see you continue to grow. And I do want to point out that marginal gains add up over time. So uh, Tammy's that... Um, you know, like slow and steady. She commits to something, she follows it through, and then she looks to the next thing. And I think uh, your aesthetics practice has just, is blossoming. And it's because of those things that you, that you speak of. That's great. Well, thank you. Thanks. Well, Tammy, I want to thank you for, for being here with us today. Uh, you've, you've been an amazing guest. I think you've had a lot of insightful things that our audience is, uh, some really great takeaways. Um, it, are there any last thoughts or anything that you would want to leave leave our audience with uh, before we end here today? Um, I would say, you know, just be you and just realize that kind of where you are, um, just embrace it. You know, where you are right now, embrace it. It's where, maybe it's where you're meant to be at, you know, this particular time in your life, embrace it. Just be you, again, surround yourself with positive people and it never hurts to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's only happens once. Yeah. 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 The last one of these moments. So yeah. absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I want to thank all of our listeners here today. Uh, if you have any questions, if you would love to be part of the podcast, uh, we would love to have you. Um, uh, go to our website, uh, medic, I'm sorry, medspaaccelerator.pro and go ahead and subscribe if you want to get the episodes directly in your email. Also, if you go to Facebook and you just type in uh, MedSpaw Accelerator, you'll go ahead and find our groups or join us in our free community. That's where we're all there. We're all kind of sharing ideas, sharing the episodes. Um, and if you want us to talk about something specific, right, if you have challenges or if you want, you know, or just something that you really want us to elaborate uh, on, go ahead and go to the group, comment on there, send us an email, uh, reach out to either Cassie or I, um, and uh, I guess... 
till next time. I don't know, Cassie, do you have anything else you want to say? No, I'm, I've loved having Tammy on. I knew she would be a great uh, guest and I'm looking forward to, you know, I, I do have a seven or eight lined up. So if you guys are interested, just reach out. You can, you can message me personally. I'll get you the, um, the prep work over to you so you can fill that out and then we can start scheduling. Awesome. All, All right. right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Have an awesome day. Bye. Until next Bye. week, uh, we'll come at you with episode three. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.